The purpose of this podcast is solely for patient education. It is not intended to evaluate, diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Views expressed are those of the podcasters and not their affiliate. Any medical questions or concerns should be addressed by the listener's physician or care provider. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a patient-physician relationship between the listener and the podcaster. We do hope the podcast can help enhance the listener's own medical experience. Welcome back to Everything Your Doc Wants You to Know and Doesn't Have Time to Tell You. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lindsay. Welcome. How are you, Lindsay? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. We have a good episode today. Yeah, I'm happy to introduce um, Dr. Douglas Google Bryant, who's a PharmD BCPS. Um, he goes by Doug, and he has received his bachelor's degree in chemistry and biochemistry from Capital University in Bexley, Ohio, which is near Columbus, and his doctor of pharmacy in 2017 from Northeast Ohio Medical University. Doug went on to do postgraduate residency with the Cleveland Clinic Akron General in pharmacotherapy. He moved to Fargo subsequently and has been here um, in his current role for just over a year. He is currently a medical home pharmacist for the Internal Medicine Clinic and spends a majority of his time doing diabetes patient management as well as transitions of care and being a pharmacy resource for the clinic. Doug is athletic and played tennis all through college. Um, Outside of work, he still likes to be physically active and plays the um, solo acoustic fingerstyle guitar in his free time. So welcome to the show today, Doug. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about that fingerstyle guitar. Sure. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's easiest to describe as if you think about classical guitar where you just play finger picking. Yeah. Uh, but there's kind of like no rules. Uh, like in classical guitar, you have to follow form and you have to, you know, kind of follow the, the general teachings. And in this sense, you can kind of do whatever you want. I kind of play the guitar. I, I will hit the guitar while I play. You know, it's not like I, I treat the entire guitar as an instrument. Cool. Uh, kind of like a one-man band. Neat. Very neat. Very fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we're lucky to have you today, and I think we're lucky to have you in our clinic. And so that's how we know Doug, as we work in the same internal medicine clinic. And I think, um, can you say a little bit more about your role in the clinic? Uh, so my title is medical home pharmacist. Essentially, that is uh, a pharmacist who works in the clinic setting. Uh, my goal is to look at the patient as a whole. Uh, in, in the realm of primary care. Um, specifically, my role uh, deals with managing patients with diabetes. I can be consulted to contact and help adjust medicines and uh, start and stop medicines to help somebody get their diabetes under control. The other major role being transitions of care, aiding with the process whenever somebody is discharged from the hospital, um, I will contact them and make sure they got all their medications, make sure um, you know, their, their transition out of the hospital is doing well because we ultimately want them to, to be healthy enough to not go back in. Uh, and so I try to help aid with that. Um, the role is still ever expanding and we're trying to find other things for me to do. But when in doubt, if anything is medicine related, uh, there's a question, comment, concern or something I can address. Uh, I am there for the clinic and the staff uh, to answer that for them. Yeah, and I think we've found it to be an invaluable role for ourselves as clinicians and I think also for our patients. So it's uh, been really beneficial to have you as part of the care team. Thank you. appreciate that. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about 
polypharmacy and deprescribing, and we will define those a little bit in a moment here. But um, this is kind of a topic that's just starting to gain foothold, I would say, among the medical community. And probably as a patient, you may not have heard much about this or what this is. So we'll go into detail about what it is and why it might be important to have a conversation about this with your doctor. Right. So do you have a definition of polypharmacy? No, there's no real consensus on what polypharmacy is. At its at its root, it just means uh, being prescribed multiple medications, and you know, multiple references can say anywhere greater than five. Some of them will say even greater than ten. We've yet to really come to a real, stead hard fast number, but pretty much anybody who's using multiple medications would fall within the realm of just uh, polypharmacy. And why is polypharmacy something to think about or something that we should concern ourselves with? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, with every medicine, there's always benefits, but there's always risks. And so whenever the more medications you use, the more benefit you would think you are exposed to, but that's also the more risks you're exposed to. And more importantly, sometimes the risks can even be changed uh, depending on the medicines you are using. So two medicines by themselves might not pose a risk, but the minute you use them together, you are now exposed to a risk that you never had. And so those risks uh, essentially are exponential and grow the more medications you have. That's a great definition. I think um, that this is kind of a, a problem that we come into more with an older adult population. And I think there's something like 40% of the elderly population, so 65 and older, who are on more than five medications at a time. And probably because we're, you know, trying to control multiple chronic diseases with medicines. Um, and that population of people tend to have have those chronic diseases that we're adding more medicines to, to deal with. Exactly. And it's... uh. It's it's a fine line between uh, what do you need to do to manage a patient with medicines and also without, and we always balance that every day at the clinic, and it's just making sure that, you know, we don't overstep the line from time to time. Yeah, I think as clinicians, it can be challenging because we are continuously told the benefits of medications and why patients should be on certain medications, and we forget to step back and look at the big picture and think about is there harm by continuing this medication or be you know continuing multiple medications that may be interacting so it's good to realize that med- medication has finite benefit and um, that there can be great times to step back and take a look and see what maybe can be removed from the list I think a lot of times we start medicines because of benefit they have you know 10 to 15 years from the day that we're taking it and and sometimes we forget that there comes a time in our life where quality today, how I feel today matters more than me living to be 10 to 15 years from now. Right. And so I think we kind of alluded to that a while back in our episode where we talked about the heart and statin medications. We talked about how there's a lot of benefit when you're on a statin Um, in terms of what happens 10 and 15 years down the road to prevent heart attacks and strokes and lower that risk. There's a little benefit in the immediate term in terms of stabilizing plaque. But if we look at somebody who's either elderly or frail or having side effects from the medication, then again, we need to think about um, what is the benefit today and is the medication adding value to their care and to their life or is it reducing that value. I think um, part of the problem we get into so many medicines is, is one, 
we're trying to control these chronic diseases, but two, uh, a lot of times these we're managing patients with multiple specialists, and sometimes they're you know the specialists kind of zoom into their body part, and um, sometimes specialists uh, kind of have a hierarchy in our in the medical world and it's thought that maybe their drug or their system is more important and the primary care provider may feel uncomfortable in adjusting the medications that that a specialist had started and so we keep p- piling on from multiple specialists and the pri- they come back to their primary and the primary really needs to own being the the keeper of of all those things and zooming out and seeing the patient as a whole looking at the big picture. And the last thing I was going to add to that too is, is um, as a downside, uh, it, it happens frequently and I, it's almost unavoidable sometimes, but it's very easy to prescribe a medication to deal with the side effect of another medicine that you're using, uh, which then perpetuates this whole polypharmacy um, situation. Uh, and, and like I said, sometimes it's not avoidable, but it's also fair to sit back and ask the, the bigger picture question then ask is as well, is this really a problem that I, a newfound problem that I have, or is it really the medication that we're using in the first place? And then it gives yourself to ask the question, is this medication worth it? Which is kind of the purpose behind deprescribing. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And there are so many examples of that. I think, you know, several medications that we tend to use not uncommonly will cause diarrhea. So medications for diabetes or for dementia can cause diarrhea. And then sometimes patients will come in or see somebody else, not their primary, for their complaint of diarrhea and get started on another medication for that symptom or that side effect. And then the new medication might have side effects that cause additional problems. And we see this all the time. And I think at least when I was going through medical school, this idea of deep prescribing, which we can talk about a little bit more, didn't really exist. And we were never taught about deep prescribing. Yeah. So let's let's take that further and define deprescribing. Yeah, sure. So um, the, the general definition and the, the consensus of deprescribing is the act of uh, kind of planned and controlled lowering doses of medications, whether it be to uh, just be on a lower dose as a whole, or even to ultimately get off of these medications, usually done under the guise of your healthcare providers uh, to ensure that the deep prescribing process does not add its own problems that could happen. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, thinking about, again about what's important to a patient at a given time is a really beneficial way to guide that deprescribing conversation. Because if, if you're seeing a patient who's 65 and still really active and says, you know, I want to live to be 95, then deprescribing might not be um, needed at that point. But then if you're seeing somebody who's 85 and frail and struggling with things or wants to be more active but can't because their medications are holding them back, that would be a really good time to start looking at what can be done in terms of deprescribing. I suppose we could also add, uh, when we think about polypharmacy, we should also think about compliance to medicines. I think once we get to, to a high number of pills we're taking, somebody's less likely to be compliant and take them regularly. Or even take them the way you're supposed to. Right. Just becomes more difficult. And the burden of taking all those is outweighs the benefit to that person. And then other challenges that occur, of course, are as people age, they the way they metabolize medications also changes. 
and that can result in different um, concentrations of medications that they're taking and potentially lead to more interactions than what a younger person might experience. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the deprescribing push is been seen with geriatrics. Yeah, I argue it could be with any population, but the 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 big push is with uh, those who are elderly. And the way I talk to patients too, if they ask questions like, you know, should I be on this medicine or not? You know, I, I make the statement of you're not the same person that you were, you know, six months, a year, five years ago. Um, and and it is known the older you get, medicines do affect you differently. Your body processes them differently. And you really need to take a step back and ask yourself questions to just ensure you're using the medications correctly or to see if they really are necessary. And maybe they are still necessary, just might not be necessary at this stretch. Right. Yeah. Are there particular medications, Doug, that you feel um, need a closer look in terms of deprescribing as somebody ages versus um, some of the more common medications that we use? Sure. Um, you know, I could kind of rank the medicines into kind of what I would say is, is like, you know, crucial uh, to really have this conversation with. And then some that should be had the conversation with, maybe not today, but just should always be aware of. Uh, when it comes to the crucial medicines, the older you get, you need to really think about uh, a lot of the medicines we use for anxiety. Um, the, the class in general is benzodiazepines or benzos, where, you know, they, they feel you would think that they cause benefit, uh, but you are exposed to great risks. Um, you know, we have found that those medications, if used long term, could really affect memory, um, could possibly exacerbate some other mental conditions that you are dealing with. Uh, there's also the the concern that if, if you would like to consider stopping those medicines, that's not a medicine that you can also stop cold turkey, and it must be stopped in a very systematic, approached way. Uh, th- that is a fa- that is a medicine class that you should always have that conversation. A lot of the any other sedative medications that you could use for sleep, you know, it's not to say that every sleep medicine is something that you should or should not use. It's just there are certain ones that pose higher risks um, that you should have that conversation with. Uh, when you are elderly, sometimes actually you would never think about it, but there's some over-the-counter medicines, the allergy relief medications, um, tend to hit people who are elderly a little harder than those who are younger. And, you know, if, if, if you are somebody who does suffer from chronic allergies, you should sit back and make sure you're managing it in the most appropriate way uh, to make sure that you're not exposed to other risks. And what are some of the side effects that you see with those medications? Yeah, I mean... For to not scare your listeners, um, there is the possibility that some individuals can have uh, changes in mental status, very acute change um, ways that they look at the world. It's almost like uh, you know, you know, the word is essentially a, a delirium, but you very acutely do not have a sense of who you are, where you are. Um, it's almost like you're not yourself. And, and maybe you won't notice it. The, the patient themselves might not notice it. Um, and they might not remember anything. But if you have any loved ones or family relatives, they can very quickly see that something is very going wrong with you. And um, that can be reproduced if you continue to take those medications. Sure. Right. What else is on your list? So uh, in terms of, you know, there's crucial, those are some of the crucial ones. Um, I know to me, what I say is the, the ones you should always be thinking about I mean, blood pressure medicine is, is a very easy one to think about because, you know, it is still something that could very much be necessary. Don't get me wrong. It's just the dose now could all of a sudden be pushing you to a, 
a blood pressure that is teetering on being too low. And, and, and it, once again, in, in the elderly population where we think about this more, too low of a blood pressure could be perceived as um, dizziness, lightheadedness. And if you're somebody who already has balance and uh, walking issues, all of a sudden this dizziness could lead to even more balance and movement issues and could lead to other consequences like a fall. And uh, it's, it's, it's known that a fall with a broken bone really impacts quality of life. And if a medication could have, if, if, if it was related to a medication, such as a blood pressure med, it's fair to say that maybe we should always have tabs on this medicine. You know, I do a lot of work with diabetes. And while we've gotten better with diabetes management, one of the problems is with some of the older medicines, it exposed people to low blood sugars. And that is a very risky thing in anybody. Uh, it's very risky in somebody who's elderly. And so, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, hey, are these medicines for diabetes that I'm taking, am I at risk for negative consequences is a fair question to ask your provider just to keep tabs on. Yeah, and that's a good question for any medication, I think. And that's just a sum to name a few. I mean, there's there's an entire list. You know, if if you're if if uh, patients or individuals would like to know, um, the American Geriatric Society publishes something called the Beers Criteria or the Beers List of medications that are are meds that should really be brought to question whether they should or should not be used. That list uh, is pretty direct in its statements and says you should avoid use. Um, to me, I kind of sit back and say that if I see that list, it's a medicine that I need to keep on my radar. Uh, there are some that I really keep in the forefront of my radar, though. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Do you want to talk uh, a little bit on the deprescribing process and maybe resources for for helping people and their providers deprescribe? Sure. I mean, when it comes to deprescribing, the, the downside is, is is it's medication and patient specific. Um, there might be a medicine that you could very much so just stop it, and there is no consequence to this. Uh, but unfortunately, there are some medicines that you cannot uh, stop abruptly. And even if you do stop it, you have to go through it in a systematic approach. Um, back to once again the, the benzodiazepine example from earlier, you know that is a medication that has to be weaned off slowly. Um, essentially, the body got used to it being there, and when it's no longer there, your body can feel it and it knows. And uh, to for to to not once again to to not scare the listeners, the idea is is that you have to go through this dose reduction in a very systematic way for benzos it depends on the patient it depends on how long you're using it it depends on which benzo you are using so there's 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 a whole lot of questions you have to ask with deprescribing certain medications um luckily there are resources and uh, references that individuals can use um there's an entire website called deprescribing.org uh kind of came from this canadian research group that came to the the consensus that Overprescribing medications led to millions of dollars uh, in patient harm, and this 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 website is dedicated to having references for patients as well as practitioners uh, with guides on how to stop uh, medications for patients. Though there there could be references on what are the questions I need to ask to even say is this a medication that should be deprescribed? 
Um, it's very good for patients and practitioners. Um, for individuals who are really looking into just understanding, you know, the, the older I get, I need to relook at my health. There's a website called healthandaging.org that's much more patient oriented. Uh, it helps enlighten why deprescribing is so important um, and, and why it matters for you. Um, those are two really good references. And actually, deprescribing.org has an app now. I've yet to explore into it, but it's, now that I learned about it, it's going to be something I make sure I have on my phone. Right. And I definitely um, have gone to that website and gotten lots of good information myself. Yeah, I've directed patients there as well when they have questions about, you know, maybe chronic sleep medications or pain medications. And we've been able to work together with patients to gradually taper off of things that they've been on for years and successfully do that without adverse effects. And they've been really satisfied with that process. So it's, it's an important thing to talk about with your clinician. I think the other medicine group that we're really poor at having a good reason to be on consistently um, would be those for GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, like the PPIs, the proton pump inhibitors. Sometimes, you know, that we always prescribe those when you're hospitalized, and so many times that doesn't get deprescribed when you leave the hospital. And and the reasons for having it in the hospital are to protect from getting an ulcer, which some of that's being questioned in recent studies. But anyways, we want to make sure that we're only continuing on these medications if you have to. And so that's another medicine that I think people have been on for years and years. And sometimes you ask them, they're like, I, I really don't know why I'm on that. And you kind of say, well, it's for a heartburn. And they, they say, I've never had heartburn. So it's one of those you got on it when you were hospitalized and somehow we just never took a look to get off of it. Yep. It was, uh, the. It, I think, being the pharmacist, I feel like I need to enlighten some history on that. Those medicines were initially approved and indicated for short-term use, not greater than 14 days. Uh, and even if you were to purchase it over the counter, because you can get some of those those medications over the counter, they will even say do not use for longer than 14 days unless under the guise of healthcare supervision. And so it's, it, it, and, and you're right, it's, it's, that, it's a drug class that it was never intended to be used long term, and it evolved into such. And now it's gotten to the point where, you know, we forgot to ask the question, do you still really need it? And that is one that's always on my radar as well to make sure that we ask that question, because if you really don't need it, you're just exposing yourself to risks of that medication, which, once again, we thought had no risks. Turns out there is some, especially with long-term use. So I think the biggest barriers to to stopping medications are are everybody's kind of fear involved. So patient fears and prescriber fears that they're needed and that there's going to be some negative consequence for, for stopping. So I think the most important thing is just to have conversations with, with your pharmacist, with your physician um, about medications and why we're on them and and do we still need them yeah and again it's important during those discussions to talk about your personal goals with your health and what kind of quality of life you want and looking at quality of life versus quantity of life um, you know having that discussion with your physician can certainly help them gain an awareness of what your goals are and how to best treat you you need to remember too that and patients should as well every year we learn something new and where we thought maybe this is a medicine that you need to be on long-term, um, research could show maybe you don't. And so it's always good to even have these questions and conversations even yearly, if you would like, because that is how, 
how quickly sometimes information changes in the healthcare world. Absolutely. We see that all the time. And um, you know, sometimes we get focused on, oh, let's let's work on the diabetes treatment plan today and forget to take a look at, oh, they've been taking Prilosec or Omeprazole for the last two years and do they need to continue it? So it's it's helpful and a good thing if patients come to us with those questions too. But okay. certainly part of our role is to look at that and, you know, get, get our pharmacists involved when we need to, to look at the medication list and hopefully um, achieve a good balance of treating conditions appropriately and minimizing the side, side effects effect of medications. And risk. Yep. Can you tell us about a health pearl today, Kirsten? Yeah, so I think our recommendation today is kind of based on what we just talked about. Um, I think, you know, many people do end up on numerous medications and it's always a great idea to have a conversation with your physician or clinician regarding whether or not they're all necessary and needed and if there are interactions or anything else that needs to be looked at. It's always good to de-prescribe. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, sometimes this takes uh, scheduling a separate appointment to have that conversation because it can be time consuming to look, depending on your medication list, to go through everything and um, evaluate things carefully. So if you're if you don't have the issue addressed at one visit, maybe schedule another one specifically for that issue. I think it's a great idea. Thanks so much for joining us. As usual, you can find our information, including show notes and links, at our website, www.everythingdoc, that's E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G-D-O-C.com, C-O-M. And if you are a Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify listener, you can also find our links um, on our website to those resources or to those sources. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. We appreciate your listening, and we also appreciate you sharing us with family and friends. Please uh, write in with things you'd like us to address on future podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.